Welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, presented by Cannonball Books, the kids' fiction imprint of Cannon Press. Okay, welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, another episode. Another, yeah, we call this one another episode. Another one. <laughs> Yay, verily. Sass something or other. Yep. This is the 60s. Yeah, yeah. We're in the we're in the episode 60s. And because we get a lot of questions about films, mm-hmm. moving picture shows, we're going to be talking about movies again, but we're going to be talking a little more broadly today. We're not just talking about a movie. We're going to be talking about how to watch movies collectively. Yeah. As a medium. Yep. How to watch a film. <laughs> and it starts <laughs> That's how with the French the, say it, French with say the it. L. <laughs> yes, film. Uh, it starts with saying it like my grandfather would always say it to me. You want to look at a movie? Look, at <laughs> you want you want to look at a movie? Yeah. You lo- you want to look at a moving picture show? So how to watch a movie? A lot of people. Well, let's just say almost all people do it. Not very many people do it well. Yeah, and this you know we have a lot of folks who write in. This one, Lisa, shout out saying, "Hey, I grew up idle and just consuming everything." Right. The baby bird phenomenon or the vacuum cleaner approach. We've yep. talked about this with books and kids and how there's this phase of readership when, when your kids just turn into you know, Hoover vacuums and you're excited because they're reading books. They're reading. It's great. It's like, but actually they need discernment. You don't want them just ingesting thousands and thousands of pages without thought mm-hmm. because they love fantasy. You, know, yeah. you, you want them actually being critical and engaging with what they read. So movies. The single most sought after type of film uh, or show is the family viewing content, like the thing you can sit down and watch with your, your kids. Anybody who's listened to this podcast knows that I love filtering services, both ClearPlay and VidAngel, because it enables me to watch, uh, watch a lot more with my kids, enables me to engage with things with my younger and older children that I wouldn't be able to otherwise. Um, so... Anything I might mention here, just assume that there could be there could be filtering in, involved. It's not right. Not that I'm I'm. You are the parent, not yeah. Nate. Yeah. <laughs> you have don't, to decide. Don't assu- don't assume that we're just watching something straight from the source. And that's actually one of the first and most important things: is disrespect the authority of the studio, disrespect the authority of the filmmaker, the artist. And I say this as an artist, and I understand that I want when I write a book, when I create a thing, I want it arriving un edited, unbolderized, to use the fancy word, yeah, to the reader, to the consumer. But I also understand the authority of parent. And so I know that when people are reading particular books of mine aloud to a young child, they can decide to like skip a description or hop a sentence or kind of mute. Dialogue of a football coach. Yeah. You know, you, I mean, you, know, you, could, you could mute something down and that's, that's absolutely in the authority of the parent. That's absolutely there. It's essential. So I don't know if somebody's reading Boys of Blur to a six-year-old, it's up to them. They know the six-year-old. You know, they're, they're the one responsible for that six-year-old. I've created an artifact, and the parent is the one who has to curate it to that kid. Yeah. And they could decide this is a little too intense or this is a little too much, or they could, they could modify it. They could water it down. They could kind of skip, skip and adjust stuff. That's fine. That's what I do. So as much as I, I want my artifact to remain unmodified, I also understand the nature of this relationship. 
ultimately the the gatekeeper and the curators have to use their own discretion and wisdom. I had a significant argument with uh, an executive at Lionsgate about this. Okay. Where he was just, you know, if you can't, if you can't consume the art in toto, then don't consume it at all, which is a dumb thing coming from an executive because he knows that there have been how many cuts, how many edits of a film. Yeah, what? You're you know, cutting like, down from so many hours of footage. <laughs> yeah. So he's somebody who would watch a director's cut and then focus group and test and test and test and adjust and adjust and adjust. And then finally it, it re- is released as a commercial artifact that's the fruit of thousands of people who've worked on it. And to then say that a parent can't then speak into that one last time prior to it impacting a child is, is ridiculous. Yeah, I tend to do that with poems. You know, you want to leave the poem alone, but I remember something Nate said to me in class once, and it was, (laughs) it was about Robert Frost and the end of Miles to Go Before I Sleep, where he repeats that last line. Yeah. And you just said, I don't know if that was the strongest move. And that really blew my hair back (laughs) as I thought, wait a minute, Robert Frost might've taken an easy way out at the end of his poem. (laughs) He copped out. Yeah. He just repeated the last line. And we we don't need to argue about that right now, but I like that. And not even a poem, which is kind of like the single autodidact <laughs> yeah. format. Is, yeah, this is, this is should unedible. be self-contained. This yeah. above all else should be a self-contained thing. Yeah. So. Even that, you can say, I disagree with how they did it here. Yeah. I think this was a bad sonnet. I think I could make this better. <laughs> right. I, I can actually improve this. And that is incidentally how you want your children thinking. That is the goal. So the goal is for your kids, the consumers in your house, to never receive a piece of art of any kind as if it's the stone tablets coming off the mountain. And that's key because people have accused you of saying that you can never just enjoy something. Right. And that's not exactly what you're saying. <laughs> but if no. by enjoy, you mean baby bird it. If, if by enjoy, you mean treat it as sacred and do not modify or criticize at all then you're right. I can never enjoy if that's what enjoyment is. Because I really, really, anybody knows me knows I really love Lewis. I love the space trilogy. And yet I could go through there and I could find probably literally a couple hundred things on, you know, one quick cursory read that should be changed. Like it's not a sacred text. And these are small things. And that's Lewis. Yeah. He's our high priest. Yeah, these are, exactly. <laughs> and he's, and he's so much better than I am. That's not, that has nothing to do with me thinking I'm his superior at all. He's far and away my superior. It has to do with the fact that he's human. This is a human artifact outside of divine inspiration. And so there's going to be things that are short of perfection. So all this to say, your goal with your kids, whether they're reading or watching, is to never receive something as if it is a stone tablet in the hand of Moses. You are not ever sitting down to watch a movie as if it could not have been changed, could not have been modified. You want your kids to be empowered to think like creators over the thing they're watching, over the thing they're viewing. Like you want them in a seat of authority. Okay. That's the thing, right? Because watching a movie, you can be the lead or the leader. Yes. And so the single most important, like the goal and the starting point for your relationship to a film, any film, any motion picture show that you're going to look at (laughs) is that you are in authority. Like you and your children sit down in authority in relationship to this thing. It, like you get to be picky eaters here. This is not a place where you scold your children and say, no, eat it. Like, no, this is, this is not that. You sit down and you get to be picky. You sit down and you're going to, you're going to be. You must be. 
And so you have to maintain that relationship of authority throughout the, throughout the entire experience. And so you're going to respect and you're going to appreciate, and you're going to honor the things that are honorable, but you're also going to spit out and reject things that you refuse to, no, you you just refuse to ingest. You refuse no, that's, to take that right there, is straight out of the New Testament. Yeah, <laughs> this <That laughs> isn't. <laughs> this is not me making stuff up. So, as far as how to watch a film, a motion picture show, you must be in a position of authority. You are not a submissive. You are never a submissive when it comes to this. And so that's with books, that's with films, and that's as a family. Now, in that family dynamic, whatever your role might be, if you're mom, dad, you know, you're, you're a parent, you're an older sibling, you want to be, you know, faithful in your role. And if you're a parent, you're trying to raise these kids up so that they do not ever sit back and just have a movie happen to them. It never just happens to them. They, they are happening to the movie. Yeah. You know, it's like they are a force that happens to the film. Now there are plenty of times when a, when a movie is really, really well crafted and well executed that's the closest it'll ever come to the movie happening to them. And you get to watch the experience there, how much they appreciate it, how much they really can respect art that does that, where it's like they are ready to pick this apart. They're ready to reject things, and yet there's nothing to reject. There's like this is really accomplishing something. This is a great piece of art. And that's it's a joy when you find those kinds of movies. You yeah. Know, it's like that you can really respect. So you're that. saying when we're looking at a painting, we have to have our brain turned on so that when someone tapes a banana to the wall, <laughs> we're like, hey, that's that's a banana taped that, to the wall. <laughs> there there's not a lot of craft here, you know, yeah. as opposed to just which it happens in all the museums. Oh, it's, always. It's now just yeah. mainlined. I can't even remember if the banana was a spoof or a real art now. <laughs> no, both. <laughs> probably both. Both. So it's anyway, that's the goal. The goal is your kids, you in authority over the film. The film does not happen to you. You happen to the film. As a parent, how much of the, do you read up on a film? Not in advance. So, I mean, so, there's times I do yeah. because I, I work in the industry and so I'm aware of certain things or movies have come to my attention via the trades or via chatter. Mm -hmm. But usually I'm just aware that so-and-so has made something and so I'm, I'm interested. Okay. The one, one way or the other. And I'll check and see kind of like general reactions where, it, you know, where it is on the spectrum. Yeah. How people are responding to it. And then we'll, you know, kind of dive in one way or the other. You know, I'll be kind of prepared to a certain extent. So step one is I decide, is it worth it? Like, is it worth it with my kids? Is it, do I have to do it? Is this something I have to do for work? You know, I have to get through something for work. Is it something I have to do for work, but I can pull my kids in with me, you know, and have them alongside me? Do filters exist? How many filters? What level of filtration are we talking about? You know, like, is it even worth it? If you're, you know, I remember watching Bad Boys with my kids and it was hilarious. There's whole like 20 second intervals where Will Smith and Martin Lawrence are just making faces at each other in silence. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, well, apparently there's no salvageable words in, in that dialogue <laughs> of any kind. Uh, so that one was kind of pointless to even filter. But, uh, you know, there's, there's things like that. So I, I kind of weigh it one way or the other. And then I'll pay a little bit of attention, but a very little bit of attention to how films are being positioned in the marketplace. You know, like how, what's the story of the story? So. Is it being positioned as an Oscar winner, like that new Benedict Cumberbatch? Yeah, that one. Cowboy movie. Which I've not finished and is, is gorgeously shot. Mm -hmm. Power of the dog or something like that. Yeah. His performance is weird. 
I mean, he's he's a genius, but his performance is weird. The film is almost unwatchable in how much it just. I just read the preview and had enough uncomfortable sort of. Yeah, it's almost unwatchable because how much it's just a cheese grater on your eyeballs and and brain in terms of content. But it is a perfect lesson for all aspiring filmmakers. Uh, something that Darren Down told me a long time ago. It's like if you have a limited budget, always use billion dollar sets. You know, like those the landscapes that god's given you like get yeah. into the landscapes that nobody could ever duplicate or create like go use those multi-billion dollar sets which is what they do so the landscapes are insane the film is grating and excruciating and i've not finished it and i don't know that i ever will i might you know i, I might be able to but it'll, it'll be difficult the gay cowboy thing is a trope well, that's what I was saying. It it's a trope like that's we're been trying, dead. We're running this back again. It's been dead. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but this is an angry gay cowboy. <laughs> uh, he is not nice. He's super mean gay cowboy. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, you look at how it's being positioned. You look at the story of the story. So, okay, so there's a film. It's a story. What's the story of the story? How are people talking about it? Uh, the film Don't Look Up. People are talking about it like, I'm mad. It makes fun of Trump. I'm happy. It supports, you know, climate change. Yada, yada, mm. yada. I don't care. I really don't care. I'm in the middle of an MFA residency right now with a bunch of students. And one of the things I was yelling at them about yesterday was I don't care what the intent of the filmmaker is ever. I don't care the intent of the author. It's a question of what the artifact does itself. What does the film say? What is the film doing? Not what does the filmmaker say in interviews the film is doing. I don't give a rip what the filmmaker says it's doing. I care what it is in fact doing. A little new formalism as far yeah. as critical theories go. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, shoot the author, shoot the filmmaker. I don't care. The, the art has to stand on its own. Yeah. And so while the, uh, the author can give you some insight into some things you might have missed, the filmmaker might point out some things that you'd overlooked. They're either there or they're not. They're in the film or they aren't. And they mean what he or she says they mean or they don't. You know, it's like they're, it's there or it isn't. Mm-hmm. It can provide support for your theory. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that theme did clearly matter. Yeah. Oh, right. I saw that. And you're like, did I, was that intentional? And yeah. then the filmmaker Says, comments on it. This is about nihilism. And you say, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yep. I, I thought as much. Uh, he and I agree on this. <laughs> you know, right. that's, it's that kind of a thing. So with the film Don't Look Up, I find that to be a magnificent film. It, Interesting. It is a magnificent film. Okay. And it is a magnificent film with about 110 filters set. <laughs> gotcha. Of 288 possible. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, if I remember correctly, I think they're, if you set the filters to full Mormon, there's 288. <laughs> I, I have to double check and see if I'm wrong on that, but it's around there. And I think I was at 110 with my kids and I needed to get through it for work. I wanted to see it for work. I sat down with my kids. I set the filters to 110 and that is a genius film. Okay. Fantastic performances. I think individual actors put in amazing work. I think they thought it was about different things than it was about. I think. Uh, yeah. Okay. I think there's a lot going on. The question is, what does the film do? Mm -hmm. the The film is straight out of the Book of Jeremiah. At about at about everybody. I mean, it just goes on everyone. I mean, this thing just America right now catches it in the teeth from this movie every different direction gotcha and i think fair and square <laughs> so it's well deserved yeah i think it's but not just in like a 
a molten satire, which it, it teeters on the edge of, but with actual human arcs, like with, with okay. some actual human rise and falls with some, some human tragedy and redemption. And it's interesting. I think it's a really interesting movie. And so agree or disagree with that film and what it does. It is a master work. It's like a, it's a master class in how to actually pants a culture and, <laughs> and uh, show that the emperor has no clothes. Yeah. And to get everybody laughing at how much they deserve destruction. Mm. Okay. Yeah, it's like, and it's, this is all part of your step of your step one of yeah. decide what the movie is. Yep. How many filters you need. Yeah, exactly. Have a thick authority over the film. And then you watch it and you are trying to discern what is, the, what is it saying on the basis level? What is this movie saying? And the very, very ground, what's it saying and is it true? And that's step two. And is it, yeah. What is it saying? Is it, is it true? And what is it saying? Is it saying it well? Yep. You know, is it saying with artistry and craft? And I would say the, the three tiers of value in assessing a film that I will engage with and that I encourage my students to engage with are tier one is technical value. And it's on many levels, the least important yeah. because at a certain, at a certain tier of the industry, everybody's good. <laughs> like there's, you know, there are, there are hacks of course, but you get to a certain level and you start grabbing, you know, directors of photography and cinematographers and they are all great artists. <laughs> you know, like there's, these are all really talented people. Mm -hmm. You start grabbing actors from a certain class of actor and they are all able to give you really good performances. The writing can often languish the most. Like writing can be where things suffer, but there are some very talented writers out there, talented directors, talented composers. You know, you're going to get into the editing, the score, you're going to do all, all that kind of stuff. Technical value. A movie can be absolutely magnificent technically and be a piece of filth you know, it doesn't really redeem it. And so if you say, yeah, the cinematography is great. The acting performances are fantastic. The directing is wonderful. The score is wonderful. The editor did an amazing job. So what? It could still be the worst movie of the year. Yeah. Like it, it's possible for that to be the case, but it's still valuable and it's valuable primarily to people in the industry. Technical value is one of the big cop-outs used by, you know, high school kids and college kids and so on to watch things they shouldn't. Yeah, but the cinematographies, the cinematographies were so magnificent. Mm -hmm. That's why I needed to watch this. It's because God made the set. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the cinematographies. I'm 14. I needed to see the cinematographies. You know, ba basically, that's to really boil that down. That's kind of like saying the the cleavage was extremely well lit. You know, it's like, <laughs> right. Like okay, because right. I mean, if you're talking beauty, yeah, in the, in the true good beautiful trifecta, you're talking hey beauty here, yeah. A lot of these are people are crafted, yeah, excellent filmmakers, They're excellent, excellent craftsmen in all of the different levels of this filmmaking. And so, think about a painter who's a really, really gifted painter who's painting things that he should not be painting. <laughs> you know, it's like it's yeah, lots of nudes. Yeah, and so like here's a painting. It's super compelling of something you should never look at. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, right. The fact that they're very talented makes the painting more dangerous. It doesn't. It doesn't make. It doesn't redeem the painting. It makes it more hostile to you and something that you should have exercised authority over at the outset by not having actually, you know, jumped into. And that's an analysis of good and the, tr yeah. and, and if we're looking true, good, beautiful, mm -hmm. that looking at something you shouldn't be looking at to yeah. take a straight advantage or investing in a character who is evil as yep. your hero. 
would be another yeah. example of failing the good test. Yep. And so then after technical value, which as I say, is it does matter in the trades, but it doesn't matter as much for the consumer at home. And it will matter a whole heck of a lot for a dad who just really loves Breaking Bad and wants to try to find just some justification for why he needs to watch every single season of it twice. You know, it's like, and he's going to, he's going to try to cite how well made it is. Of course. Yeah. Very well made. <laughs> you know, no, no arguments there. Is it healthy for you? And that's what moves on to the next tier of engagement, which is response value. So I, I assess technical value. I assess response value. And there's a lot of inevitable discernment and wisdom required in response values. Is this, is this good? Is this film good for the culture? Is it good in your own ecosystem? Is this film good? Is it doing good to the world around it? Is it doing good in your community? Is it doing good in your family? If I turn it on on movie night with my kids, what is the response value? So yeah, what benefit is there to be gained? What benefit is there to be had from our engagement with this? What are we going to get out of this engagement? Right. And the goal is soul food. Yeah, exactly. Family food. Well, yeah, exactly. We want to eat. <laughs> so right. We're looking to eat. We're looking, we're looking to be edified. And so edified in the struggle, what kind of meat are we going to get off this thing? If it's a puffer fish, yeah. there's, there's that chance of What poison. are we going to get? <laughs> so what are we going to get out of this thing? And so if you are a youth pastor, a college minister, if you're talking to college kids and you're like, well, I'm trying to pick a movie. I'm trying to pick a thing. Like you have to, that's that kind of decision. What's the thing that will, will get value from engaging with this group? This, this little ecosystem will get value. And you get broader and broader and broader, and you think, is this, is this film or is this show doing good in the world collectively? When you're a filmmaker, if you're a storyteller, then you're saying, like, you have to think, think globally, think really big. Am I, doing a net, am I doing net positive work in the world by putting this out there? Is this a net positive or is this a net negative? And if you're a dad, if you're a mom, you're thinking smaller. You know, if you're a teacher, if you're a minister, you're thinking you know, slightly bigger than your family. You're thinking of bigger groups. And then ultimately, as an individual, you have to think of yourself. Is this, in fact, healthy for me to be engaging with? Uh, and you have to be humble and honest about that. Yeah. Like, is this a good thing for me to be engaging with? And that's response value. So what's the, what's the gain? What's to gain from wrestling this particular greased pig? Yeah. You know, like, if I bring Don't Look Up into my movie room with my kids, what do we stand to gain? And the answer was quite a bit, actually. A ton of conversation, ton of analysis, ton of surprise. You know, I, I yeah, uh, wisdom about culture is what you wisdom about culture, but also wisdom live. about storytelling. How to the use of faith elements, the indirection, like how to, how to actually like tie people's shoelaces together as viewers and then serve up faith. You know, like it actually some of the most overt faith elements you'll ever see in a film hmm. delivered with a sleight of hand that's just incredibly deft. And beautifully done. So you, you do, there's a lot, there was a lot actually for us to gain. We got a lot out of that. But I also didn't, you know, I, I read enough about it. And I just kind of assessed the level of filtering and I, you know, I thought, okay, we can get, we can get something out of this. I didn't anticipate we'd get as much out of it as we did that one in particular. But No Country for Old Men, I've watched that with my kids. Children of Men, watched that with my kids. It's like, there's a, there's a lot that I've done. Oh, because I thought we stood to gain something on the response, like the response value. There would be a yeah, net positive. the second tier. Yeah, from killing this particular buffalo, from wrestling this particular pig together, there was meat we could get. You know, like we could <laughs> we could eat. 
Then the last one is the one that's easiest to say and the hardest. And this one messes people up, angers people, triggers also, it triggers also, well, I'm just going to say it. This is the objective value. So you get to the bottom, you have technical value, you have response value, and you get to the bottom of the baseline, just objective value. And by objective, I mean the one you can't argue with, straight up, it's not subjective at all. It's either good or it's bad, objectively, in the world, full stop. And the only way you can get to that is by answering the very simple question, which is, does God like it? You, just, you, yeah, okay. Like, there you go. Does God like this? Does God like this for us? Does he like it here? So fundamentally, is it a true thing? Does God And God this? speaks truth yeah. in ways that we don't always Yep. Is like. this Balaam's ass? Right. Is this Balaam? Is this, a, is this an unbelieving prophet? You know, so the, the film Magnolia, which has lots of filth in it, I feel like is a, is a bit of a Balaam's ass. And there's a lot of pagans I would love to make watch that movie. Uh, Brazil is a film by Terry Gilliam that is, you know, it ultimately tries to answer postmodernism, modernism and postmodernism with insanity. Like that's the only proposed answer. But it's, man, it's a beautiful devastation of, <laughs> of a false system and a false god. It just has no answer. It's a condemnation. It just doesn't get to the answer. And I wish I could lock every White House staffer in a room and make them watch it three times. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like to that audience, I want I want it on a loop. I want them to watch it on a loop. Trudeau yeah. needs to be watching Brazil. Yeah. And nothing but Brazil right now. You know, the Robert De Niro terrorist who's actually just repairing air conditioners without a permit. <laughs> but he's a terrorist and being hunted is very apropos but it, so you look at different things and you think okay for which use is this valuable like what does god think does he love it does he hate it you know it's like what is god's opinion of this thing and that ultimately is the objective value of the thing so god is not wrong in his assessment and what it reveals when you start asking this question of art it reveals frequently that your opinion of god is flawed because you immediately start getting worried about, well, he's a bit of a school marm, right? So I have to just, I have to watch Fireproof. It's like, well, have you, but have you read the Old Testament? <laughs> like, how yeah. well do you know his storytelling? How well do you know the characters he likes to work with? You apparently don't know God very well. And in order to watch movies and actually or read books, in order to engage with culture and be able to answer that question honestly, with humility and any degree of confidence at all, you have to focus on getting to know God and knowing his characters and knowing his art. So above all other filmmakers, you try to study his filmmaking, his artistry, his storytelling, like his craftsmanship. And then having done so, you bring all of that calibration to human artistry. And you can see ways in which it imitates what God does successfully, ways in which it cuts against the grain of what God does, ways in which it's rebelling against what God does, and ways in which this unbeliever told a story that cuts completely with the grain of God's storytelling. You know, it's, yeah. it's absolutely, I don't care that he's an unbeliever. I don't care what he intended. He absolutely is cutting with the grain of God's storytelling. And so, I, yeah, I think there's, there's truth here. I think this is objectively good. This is objectively good. This is, there's objective truth here. So it's the hardest, it's the easiest one to say, does God like it? And it's the hardest one to answer and it will take your entire life to get better and better and better right. at it. But that's true of the rest of your life too. You want to be getting to know God and his taste. You want to be becoming more like him, 
right? Your goal is to be becoming more like God in your own life, getting to know him and becoming more like him such that your own tastes imitate his own. And so I want to hear from people who want to convince me that Breaking Bad is magnificent, that they needed all those seasons, they needed all those things, that that particular cautionary tale was necessary at that scale and that length. You know, we have a lot of chemistry teachers who think they have cancer, then find out they don't, and then start making really good meth, and we need to deter them (laughs) (laughs) with this particular cautionary tale, because it's a real problem. Mm-hmm. That we have all these chemistry teachers making meth, so we have to we have to like show them the error of the. We got to run this one out. For yeah, we got we got we got to run this one out and show them where it ends, because we have a and play. It's not good. And it's not Don't good. Do- <laughs> You're gonna end up drawing a smiley face in the dust while you die. <laughs> um, so we need we need a cautionary tale to deter, you know, all those chemistry teachers from doing that. You want to convince me that that was all necessary? You have to convince me a, it's a net positive in the culture yeah you're convinced it's filmed well so oh yeah no technical values check yes it's the craftsmanship is magnificent yeah no argument there you have to convince me that's a net positive in the culture and beyond that you have to convince me that god likes it Mm. like this is the kind of show god likes yeah and the same thing god has plenty of villains but not so many anti-heroes so no. that's the question. That's, <laughs> that's the question. Right Correct. There. Not as many anti-heroes. As we would like. Right. As we might prefer in our own broken taste. Right. And so if you go, th- to sum up, be an authority over the moving picture shows you watch and consume. That authority starts with the selection of the film. That authority starts with like being a man. And I'll even say being a grown ass man in your home and pay for the filtering services. Like, <laughs> I mean, like so shots at me shots fired well you got little kids too you're not right. quite there but no. as they get older you'll need right. to no definitely pay for clear play pay for vid angel pay to have the authorities you can turn stuff absolutely off and consume with your with your kids so that authority starts there and then select the authority starts when you select yes this is what we're doing we're going to sit down we're going to watch together we're going to consume together that authority starts yeah have your have your brain turned on for technical value don't watch schlock don't watch things that are just crappily made, but that's kind of the, the least important here, uh, unless you're in the industry or a critic or something like that. And then you move on to response value. What's the net positive? What's the, what are we trying to gain here on this night, this Friday night eating pizza with your kids? What are you trying to gain? What do you stand to gain? What's the benefit? What's the net positive or the net negative of a particular show? And then ultimately, is it telling the truth? Is it lying? Like, is it in alignment with God's world and the way God tells stories? Does it love what he loves? Does it damn what he damns? Yeah. Is it rebelling against God or is it in submission to the way he made the world? Is this the kind of story he likes? Is this the kind of narrative that actually pleases him? And if it is, then it should yeah. please you as well. Yeah. And if it isn't, then good luck trying to explain to him why you're developing tastes outside of his. Right. There you go. That's, that's how to, that's that's how to watch great. a moving picture show. I think we'll have some questions about that. We'll return to them at a future date, nice and quick. But uh, that's it. That's how to watch a moving picture show. That's how to look at a film. Look at a film. This has been Sesf. Uh, I look forward to having Ryan Smith back on, my pal, to uh, discuss a couple specific films as well. Yeah, that's a great idea. He's already thrown out a couple options. Has so. he? Fantastic. Or at least one option. I'll throw a couple back at him. Fantastic. Until next time, this has been Sesf episode somewhere in the 60s. Boom.
Hi, it's Brian Cole here, wanting to let you know how you can support the Stories Our Soul Food podcast. You can do that by checking out Canon Plus. There's a lot of good stuff on Canon Plus, but I wanted to highlight for you today the N.D. Wilson page. You can find his audiobooks, Death by Living, Notes from the tilt world his videos on stuff like how to read the story you're in, Strong Sons, Secure Daughters, The World is Rated R, and of course, his theme statement of Chestertonian Calvinism. And if you get tired of N.D. Wilson, you can hang out in the kids section on Canon Plus, which is what my family does, listening to Brave Ollie Possum, True Stories from Trial and Triumph, lots of good stuff in there. Right now, I'm listening to Monsters from the Id, about how the Enlightenment led to the horror genre, but occasionally it gets to be a bit dark, so I'll use a palate cleanser and watch a man rampant video or listen to a parenting book. If that sounds like something you're interested in, head over to mycanonplus.com or the App Store on Apple or Android. You can get a monthly subscription to check it out, or you can get a yearly subscription for the cheapest amount. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the SASF podcast. We'll hopefully be seeing you at mycanonplus.com.